The following sermon is from New Life Baptist Church, where we exist to see lives transformed by the gospel as we make, mature, and mobilize disciples of Jesus. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at newlifeba.org. Well, it's hard to believe that it's already December 3rd in the beginning of Advent season. It, it feels like just a few weeks ago that I was in this pulpit last year uh, preaching in view of a call. Where has uh, this year gone? It has gone by quickly. Uh, as you all know, uh, it has been a tenuous end to the year of 2023. With, with all the uncertainty in our world, with all the division in our nation, and with all the various financial, medical, relational, or emotional stresses that you may be facing right now. I think especially now more than ever, people in our world are searching for meaning. They, they are looking for purpose. They're seeking to belong in some way with some group of people that gives them hope. They're yearning for redemption, and they are desperate for hope. And maybe that describes you uh, this Christmas season. And if so, then you have come to the right place. Because during this Advent season, we will remember and rejoice in the greatest news of the entire world, that the light has come. And because Jesus has come, we will see that his light is our life. His light is our purpose. His light is our belonging. His light is our redemption. And his light, it is our hope. That will be our progression through the Advent season. And so, my friend, if you are searching, if you are looking, if you are seeking, if you are yearning, if you are desperate this morning, everything you are longing for is found in Jesus Christ. And so my prayer for you this Advent season is is that what I just said will go from maybe a nice sounding sentence and that it would become the resounding reality in your life. That the light of the world, he would be your life, your purpose, your belonging, your redemption, and your hope. So with me, uh, you can turn with me this morning to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we will be looking through the first chapter of John 1 during this Advent season from from verse 1 to verse 18. And this morning we will look at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. And this morning my prayer is that you will see that his light is our life. With that being said, let us read the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. In church, this is our hope. And the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, I pray during this Advent season that you would... Open our minds to the truth of your word. That you'd open our hearts to receive your word. And that you'd open our hands to do your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come now and be at work 
Be the teacher we need this morning. Illuminate your truth for us that our hearts may treasure Christ more through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so church, first this morning, we will see that the eternal word is the source of life. The eternal word is the source of life. And I think sometimes, right, during this Christmas season, sometimes well-meaning people, they sentimentalize this holiday season. They, they set up the nativity scene. They think, oh, look at that cute baby Jesus there. Then they throw on the latest Hallmark movie with the same exact plot line as the other past 100 Hallmark movies. They don't change the plot. It's the same exact plot every single time. But they set up their scene, their nativity scene. They put on the holiday music and the movies, and then they just go on about their lives. This, this Jesus thing, it's cute. It's nice. We'll sentimentalize it, but that's where we'll keep it. But the Apostle John, he won't let us get away with that. No, what he tells us right out of the gate in his gospel is this, and don't miss it. In his birth, the one who transcends eternity has now stepped into time. Just just think about that for a second and let it sink in. The one who transcends eternity has now stepped into time. Notice with me how John begins his gospel. He, he does so by drawing a parallel with Genesis 1, verse 1, when he writes, In the beginning, it should recall you back to what Moses wrote in the very first words of Scripture. And so, in other words, what John is saying is, In that moment of time, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Word was there. In the beginning, was, John writes. So you notice the verb tense there. In other words, this word, this Christ, this eternal son of God, he precedes and he predates even the beginning of time. Or as the early church father Athanasius once said, there was never a time when the son was not. Jesus's existence It didn't begin when he was born. No, that was just the moment when the one who who transcends eternity, when he stepped in to time. When the one who existed before creation became one of his creation. Listen, church, never forget it. There was never a moment when the son came into being. He has always existed. Always existed. Or as another early church father once said, In the case of human beings, the word was signifies the past. But with God, it declares eternity. Think about that one and let that truth put a pretzel, uh, put your brain in a pretzel there. Or, Or maybe to put it another way, maybe to land the plane and bring it home for us. Sticking with our theme of the light has come. The light of the world was shining bright even before the world was ever created. Notice why the Apostle John says that this word, the Lord Jesus Christ, never had a beginning and will never have an end. Why why was this word with God before the beginning? Well, John says he was with God before the beginning because this word himself, he is God. And so the next time 
Maybe a, a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon knocks on your door or anyone else who tries to deny the deity of Christ. And I want to encourage you to very politely be polite, be charitable, but very firmly stand your ground and say, based upon the truth of God's word and upon its authority, you say there was never a time when the son was not. And you show them from John 1, chapter 1, that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Use that time as an opportunity of evangelism with them. Turn the tables a bit. This eternal son of God, Jesus Christ, our Lord, though he condescended into time through his birth, even still church, he never had a beginning. He always is, period. Or in the words of our Lord, as he said in himself in John chapter eight, he said this, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. But you might be asking the question this morning, maybe you've read through the Bible many times. Maybe you've read through the gospel of John and you've asked this question. Why does the apostle John describe Jesus as the word? I mean, I mean, couldn't he have made it a bit simpler and easier for us if he just said, in the beginning was Jesus? Or in the beginning was the Christ? Why, why does he go philosophical on us and say, in the beginning was the word? Well, this concept of the word, this, this Greek, the Greek word, it's logos. It, it's one rich in meaning both for John's Jewish and Greek audience. And so to the Greek philosophers of the day, the logos, the word, it was this impersonal, abstract principle of reason and order in the universe. In, in, in other words, you know, as Paul, you, you uh, in John, Acts chapter 17, Paul says to the, to the unknown God, this I declare to you. It was to the Greeks, this unknown God. It, this, the logos was the singular ordering principle for the entire Universe. It, it was what they what what held the universe together for them, and so to the Greeks, John presents Jesus as the personification and the embodiment of this logos. In Him, the true logos, the true Word, who was God, He has now become man, which was an, a concept foreign to Greek thought. But but John uses this word logos. Also to address his Jewish audience. And this idea of the Logos carried great meaning and significance for them as well. Because the word of the Lord in the Old Testament, it was a significant theme. In the Old Testament, the word of the Lord, it's the expression of God's divine power, his wisdom, and his revelation. And so John presents Jesus to his Jewish readers as the incarnation of divine power, wisdom, and revelation. So, so why does John use the word logos to describe Jesus here? He does so to proclaim to both Jew and to Greek alike that Jesus, he is the incarnated power, revelation, and wisdom of God who orders the universe by the word of his power. He is so because the word is God. Now notice what, what else John says. Not, not only that this word, he is eternal, 
but also this eternal word, he is the creator of all things. You'll see that in verse three. And you'll note what John says, the first word of verse three, all. In other words, nothing is exempt from what Jesus creates. All things were created through Jesus, the word. Uh, I enjoy uh, purchasing things off of Facebook Marketplace. I always, I'm a sucker for a good deal. Uh, and so uh, the kids are now getting to the age of starting to play sports. And so I've been, on the, I've been on the prowl for a nice in-ground basketball goal. They're incredibly expensive new. And so I've been looking uh, for one on Marketplace. And so I found one. And, uh, and, and so the basketball goal, it's one of the in-ground types. And so yesterday I spent the morning digging a four foot deep by 18 inch wide hole in the ground. What a better way to spend your Saturday morning, Right. Uh, but I did that so that I could set the anchor for this basketball goal. Now you think about it, it's a pretty good size hole, right? And so with breaks and helping with the kids, it took me about an hour and a half to two hours. Don't, no comments there. You, some of you might be thinking that took me 15 minutes. Uh, but uh, but it, took, it took a good amount of time to dig it. And I was sweating even in the cool weather yesterday morning. And so as I'm digging this hole, I'm listening to things to prepare for this morning. And I'm thinking about verse 3. And how just with a spoken word, with a spoken word, the word created all things. And here I am spending two hours to dig a tiny, 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 tiny speck of his creation that he just spoke into existence in a single moment, just like that. All things were created through him. And we dare try to sentimentalize the word this Christmas season and confine him to cute decorations and trite phrases. Jesus is not some cute Christmas decoration. He is the eternally existing, all powerful one who is the very revelation of God and the creator of the universe. He is the source of life itself. Now, now, I know up to this point, <laughs> the sermon maybe has been a bit heady and abstract and maybe heavy. And so let me personalize this truth for you. What this means is that this eternal word, he is your creator. And listen, what Jesus creates is incredibly valuable to him. You are immeasurably valuable to Jesus By virtue of being his creation. So much so that this word who transcends eternity, he would step into time and become one of his creation for you. The one who created all things was born as a babe for you. And that leads us to our second point this morning, and that is this. The eternal word, he is the giver of new life. Look with me at verse four. John says this, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Now, now a question as I'm preparing, I ask the question now, is John being maybe a bit redundant here? Sometimes biblical authors, they're intentionally redundant to solidify a singular truth. And so you would say, okay, John talks about Jesus Creating all things, the source of life in verse 3, is he talking about the same thing in verse 4? Is he being a bit redundant here? Well, no, he's not. 
Because while in verse 3, John says Jesus is the source of all natural life, here in verse 4, John shows us that Jesus is also the source and the giver of an entirely different kind of life as well. That is, he alone gives spiritual life. You, you see, it's, it's true that nearly, that nearly 8 billion people living today on our planet, every single one of us, we are existing. But you see, there is a difference between be, merely existing and truly living. Jesus' purpose for creating you, it wasn't so that you would be born so you would go to school, that you would find a nice job, you would have a family, you would retire, you would enjoy your grandchildren, and then you would die. Those are all good things, except the last part. Jesus redeems that one. But those are all good things, and they're good gifts from God. But the eternal word, he created you for more than just that. He created you to know him, to love him him to enjoy him and to live in fellowship with him in his presence he created you to bask in the radiance of his light but you see the problem is that ever since the fall of adam and eve the opposite right church has been true we have been separated from god we have rejected him we have despised him and we have enjoyed walking and playing in the darkness rather than living in the light. And so that is why Jesus, the light of the world, came to us. He came to bring us out of our darkness. He came to lift us up out of our despair. He came to liberate us from our depression. He came to bring us out of our depraved way of living. He came to make peace between us and God. He came to bring us his light. In church, he came to give us his life. The one who transcends eternity stepped into time. He became one of his creation. And he did so, listen church, to make us new creations. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. You'll know if you're listening and reading carefully there at verse 4, you'll know that John says something absolutely profound, and that is this, the new spiritual life that Jesus gives us. It is the very same life that exists within himself. In other words, if you are a Christian, the new life that you have now received is the very same life that Jesus has himself. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. I hope that makes sense because when it does, that truth changes everything. When we realize the essence and the nature and what we have really been given in the new birth. You see, you don't become a Christian through just believing some truths. You don't become a Christian by being raised in a church going home. You don't become a Christian because you've served in the church for many decades or because you've read the Bible from cover to cover. Now you become a Christian when you have been made alive by Jesus Christ. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Something supernatural must take place within you for you to become a Christian. It's what Jesus calls being born again. 
being given new spiritual life. And so I want to ask you this morning, have you found new life in Jesus Christ? I'm not asking, right, if you've been religious much of your life or even if you've made a prior decision to follow Jesus a long time ago. Many people in the Gospels, they made a decision to follow Jesus. But John 6 is the prominent example. When when times got hard, when times got tough, those who previously made a decision, what did they do? They walked away. Listen, and and please listen to me closely and listen listen to me throughout. It's not a past decision that will get you into heaven. The question set before you this morning is this. Have you found new life in Jesus Christ? Have you been made spiritually alive by him? Are you walking in his light? Do you know the light of the world? And has he brought you out of your darkness and into his marvelous light? If you would say, I've played the game. I've played the religious game my entire life, but I've never yet experienced the new birth. I've never yet been made alive by Jesus. I've never yet trusted in him alone for my salvation. With everything I have within me, I encourage you this morning, turn from your sin, turn from the darkness and trust in the light of the world. Jesus, he left the glories of heaven and he came to this earth to save you from your sins and to give you eternal life. And so I invite you this morning, if you don't yet know Jesus personally and truly as your savior, come to him today and have your life forever changed by his life. Now, if you would say, yes, I do know Jesus. Yes, I have found new life in him. Then I have one more question for you. You're not off the hook that easily. My question is this. Are you daily finding your life in Jesus? Is he the object of your joy? Is he the source of your peace? Is he the ultimate purpose of your life? And is he the one you run to in your moments of distress, grief, and sadness? Or are you maybe daily finding your life, your sustenance in something other than him? Are you trying to find relief from the various stresses of life in different forms of escapism? Whether that's television, social media, certain vices, food, relationships, or anything else that might be on your list. What is the object of your joy? What is your highest treasure and your most prized possession in life? What is the ultimate purpose for you? What do you run to for hope? Is it Jesus or is it something else? I'm not asking in the abstract. I'm asking at 2.37 p.m. on a Monday afternoon. Who are you running to for hope? During this Christmas season, I want to encourage you. Don't let all the preparation, activities, and festivities distract you from or worse. Displace the one who is your very life. Paul says in Colossians 3, Christ is your life. His life is our life. So may we find then our life in him. Now, during the worship time, you you may have heard a couple of the song selections, the song choices, and you're thinking, 
Why are we, it sounds like we're singing some Easter songs during Christmas season. But church, never forget this. We cannot separate the cradle from the cross. Listen to this truth. His life is our life. Because listen, church, because his death was our death. The only way that his life is our life is because his death was our death. The ultimate purpose for Jesus coming to this earth, it isn't ultimately found by looking to the cradle. No, the ultimate purpose and reason for Christmas, it is found by looking to the cross. Because it is on the cross that Jesus took your sin and my sin. It is on the cross where he took your shame and my shame, where he took your punishment and my punishment. He took your record of sin and the judgment that we deserved. He placed it on himself. He died our death in our place on the cross so that he could give us life. Or maybe to put it another way, he became like us so that we could become like him. Jesus was born to die, that we might no longer die, but live forever with him. His life is our life because his death was our death. Finally, this morning, our passage, it teaches us this truth, that the eternal word, he is the guarantor of eternal life. He is what guarantees, he is what secures eternal life for us. Read, read verse 5 for me. With, with me, I should say. Uh, you can read it for me too if you want, but the, uh, read, read it with me. The, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Is that, is that a true statement? Listen, it, it's easy for us to be tempted to despair, right? Because we're living in a time where the darkness seems so pervasive, and it seems to be proliferating at an unstoppable rate. Right, Just flip on the news and you will see the horrors and the atrocities of multiple wars in our world. You will witness about the war taking place against our children in our own nation. And you will hear the recounting of the evil and the depraved actions of people against their own humanity. I mean, just, just think, we're, we're living in a time when the mass murder of people has become normalized and common for us to hear about. And that's not even mentioning the economic uncertainty we find ourselves in. And so it's easy for us to be tempted to despair, right, on a daily basis. And listen, we would have good reason to do so if verse 5 were not true. But praise be to God, church. Verse 5 is as true today as it was when the Apostle John wrote it nearly 2,000 years ago. Listen, Jesus didn't promise that life would get easier and better and that society would become more righteous before his second coming. No, in fact, Jesus in the Gospels, he teaches the opposite, that times will get progressively worse. But listen, church, and hold fast to this truth. It is against the darkest night that the light shines the brightest. It is against the darkest night that the light shines the brightest. So are the times bleak? Yes, they are. Is our society becoming darker and darker? Yes, it is. But is Jesus still the light of the world? Yes, he is. The light, it shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. Why? 
Because in the beginning was the light. The light, Jesus our Lord, he exists eternally within himself. Therefore, nothing, not even the greatest attacks of Satan or the strongest forces of evil, nothing, nothing, nothing can overcome the light. And so we say along with the Apostle Paul, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Listen, church, we can have full assurance that we will prevail in the darkest of times because our life, our hope, our salvation, our eternity, it rests in the one who came to this earth, who went to the cross, who conquered the grave, and who is coming back one day soon for his bride. Our life is in his light. And listen, brothers and sisters, no matter what may come, no matter what may happen, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If you have any questions or if we can serve you in any way, please connect with us at newlifeba.org.